you want to go ahead and turn there. In that fourth verse, they said, Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fade. I love that song. I love that truth. I get excited whenever I hear it. And uh, I pray that you do as well. That's a new one that Brother Shane had wanted to introduce to us. And so we'll be singing that soon as a congregation as well. This morning, as we look in Acts chapter 5, you may realize, so we've come to the conclusion in our summer series where we're looking in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we are now moving back to the book of Acts where we've been during the spring, and we'll be here until November, uh, whenever we start our Thanksgiving and Psalms as we do every November. But as we look back, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a recap. I know it's been several months since we've been in Acts, kind of help set, give you the setting, where are we, what's going on. So today, in this text specifically, you're going to see uh, the apostles being arrested, being questioned by the Sanhedrin, and that's going to seem very familiar because we saw that a few months ago in Acts chapter 4. They were arrested then. This isn't the same account. I didn't forget where we had left off. This happens twice, uh, and you'll see that the points are different in these two texts. But if you remember, this is after Christ has died and come back to life, and he was alive for a while and showed himself to the apostles and to many others and gave them instructions and gave them the Great Commission, and he has now gone home, as we see in Acts chapter 1, he's gone back to heaven. Uh, and in our terms for today, he says that he is going to be working remotely through the church, through the power of the Spirit. And so that is what Christ is doing. Christ is continuing to work, but he's doing it from heaven through the Holy Spirit that he had promised to send. So he sent that. These apostles have the Holy Spirit, and they're doing amazing things. We see it in the text just before this where we left off last time that, that they were healing people, and people were coming from surrounding towns to be healed by the apostles, and they're preaching the gospel. And it says that more people than ever are coming to be saved. And then we'll have our text for today. That's right where we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 5, verse 17. I want to go ahead and give you the main point, though. The main point of this text, the gospel will never be stopped because God will never be stopped. I want you to, to see that. I want you to hear that as we go through this text today. Pay attention to that, that the gospel will not ever be stopped. It will never cease to be shared. It will never cease to have power. It will never cease to work in the lives of sinful people, redeeming them. Why? Because God is the driving force of the gospel, and God will never be stopped. So look with me in Acts chapter 5. I'll begin reading in verse 17. It says, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked, and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, 
the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. If y'all would pray with me before we consider this text today. Father God, what a glorious opportunity for us to be able to get together on the Lord's Day as we celebrate Sunday, the day that you came back to life. Father, and, and we set that as the tone setter of our week. Lord, we meet together and we celebrate your life and your grace and your love and your power. And Father, for the rest of the week, we live thinking about those things and proclaiming those things. Father, here we see brothers that were persecuted greatly for having shared these same truths. Lord, I pray that this morning as we consider this text that you would use it to strengthen us and to encourage us and to build our faith that we would be more like these brothers because we have the same Holy Spirit that they did and we're sharing the same gospel message that they were. Thank you for the opportunity to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so, so we see here, uh, and I, I just kind of want to stop for just a moment before we really try and run through this. And I, I want to stop for just a moment and appreciate what we are reading and seeing taking place here. Because it, it's very easy for us to just kind of move past the miracle that took place here so that we can get into the, the point of what's going on. But we see these leaders that are jealous because of the apostles and their teaching and the people coming. And so they arrest them and they put them in prison, which seems like a very logical decision, right? If, if these people are preaching a certain message, the gospel, if they're preaching something and people are responding to that and it's changing them, then what can we do to keep people from, how can we keep this from spreading? Well, how do we keep things from spreading? You all know. We put people in quarantine, right? And so I said, look, here's what we can do. Take the ones that have the gospel and lock them up. If nobody can hear the gospel, then nobody's going to respond to the gospel and we'll be able to deal with this. So they take them and they take the apostles and they lock them in the prison. And it seems like, well, that'll do it. But oh, no, the Lord sends an angel in the night who comes and, and without having to unlock the doors is able to open the doors. Who without even disturbing the guards that are standing there is able to take all of these apostles and to take them out of the prison and then take them back to the courtyard. And I just want you to stop for a moment and recognize that that's not something that just happens, right? Some people are removed from prison and the guards are there and the guards are awake, but they don't see it happen. And they go back and they check the doors and the doors are found securely locked. How does this happen? This happens because God can do absolutely anything that he wants to do. So through a miraculous work, God frees these brothers, frees them from this prison. And then the angel takes them. And I love what the angel tells them to do. It says that they're freed and then the angel tells them, go and speak all the words of this life. Go and speak all the words of this life. And in my text, in verse 20, in the ESV, it capitalizes the word life there. Now, that's not a word that we normally capitalize. Why is that? Because it's referring to a specific thing. It's 
and some trans, some of your translations say this. It says, this new life. Go and speak all the words of this new life. The new life that we celebrated with Slade earlier. The new life that he has in Christ. The new life that these apostles had. They had been born again. They were living a new life in Jesus Christ. It's this salvation. Go and tell people all the things about your salvation. These brothers that were just put in prison for telling people about Jesus are now told, after they're set free from that prison, go and preach about this life even more. And you know what they did? They went and preached about this new life. Point one, the gospel cannot be stopped by physical oppression. It does not matter whether it's prison bars or chains. We see that as we'll go through the book of Acts. You'll see over and over it doesn't matter if it's storms. It doesn't matter if it's illness. None of these things are strong enough to stop the gospel. All of these things have come upon God's people through the years and none of them have been able to stop the gospel from being spread, from being told, from acting and working in the lives of sinful people. So if physical oppression doesn't work, right, if locking people in prison can't keep them from sharing the gospel, what about, what about religious oppression or uh, maybe something like political oppression, right? If it's the concern about your health or your well-being's not really working, what if it's the worrying about your job? What if it's worrying about being seen as unorthodox? What if those things, could they stop the gospel? Well, we see that in this text as well. Look with me in... Verse 27 says, And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So here we see this is religious oppression, right? These are the religious leaders of this day and time. And they're saying, we told you not to teach people about Jesus, not to teach in this name. And it could be seen not just as religious oppression, but political oppression as well, right? These were men that had a lot of power. These were men that had a lot of pull. These men that were greatly respected in society, they're pulling these apostles to the side and saying, listen, I thought we had talked about this, right? You want to work in this town. You want things to go well for you and for your family. We've told you not to do this anymore. We've already warned you about this, is that we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. So does it work? Does religious oppression stop the gospel? Does political oppression stop the gospel? Well, absolutely not. We see that right here. What do they say in, in verse 29? We must obey God rather than men. They said, God, has, God is the one that has saved us and has redeemed us, and God has sent us to make disciples of all nations. And so we can't. We cannot stop. Even if you threaten us. No matter what you say to us. We cannot stop. We must obey God. We are slaves to God. We are indebted to God. We have to go. And then I love this. 
right? This, these religious leaders with all this power pulled them in and said, we told you not to tell anybody about Jesus. We told you not to preach this gospel anymore. And so what did they do? They say, hey, listen, we've got to obey God rather than you. And then Peter starts preaching the gospel to them. He says, while I'm here, let me just go ahead and tell you the gospel. Right? And so he tells them, he says, that, that the God of our fathers, that he raised Jesus, whom you killed, and exalted him. And so, so not only is he preaching the gospel, but he's reminding them of who Jesus really is. He is equating Jesus with God, which to these Jewish leaders would have been the, the ultimate thing that you could do that would be a slap in the face or a spit in the face, that, that, that they would say that Jesus was not only raised to life by God, but he has been taken to heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, equating him with the Father giving him the same power and authority that the Father has. And he says in verse 31, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So Peter says, you've told us not to share the gospel, but we cannot stop sharing the gospel. And you need to know that this is true, that Jesus is alive. We are witnesses of this. But not only is Jesus alive, but Jesus is now the one who can save those that will repent and come to him. So Peter is calling for them to respond to the truth of the gospel, even as they're trying to use political or religious oppression to stop the gospel. Point two, the gospel cannot be stopped by religious or political oppression. So you can't stop it with prison bars. Right? You can't stop it. And, and I can't imagine, I know it's different as we sit in here and the place that we live and the places that we work, to hear that, that first point that as we see these brothers released from prison, to hear this reminder that, that physical oppression can't stop the gospel, that God is stronger than any of those things. And for us to hear this truth that, that even if people don't believe the truth of the gospel and they are of other religions and they threaten you, that it cannot stop the truth of the gospel, that it does not threaten God, sounds different to us, but as I watch the news nightly, I think about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan in places like that, and I think how much differently this has to sound to them. To be reminded that no matter how oppressed you are, no matter how attacked you are, that the things that you see around you are not stronger than God. Right? If you can imagine actually sitting in a prison cell, it probably seems pretty bleak. Right? At that point, it probably seems like this is strong enough to contain me. There's nothing I can do. But then to imagine an angel coming and releasing them from prison, I think that has to give these brothers and sisters that are being oppressed and threatened the way they are great hope and great boldness to continue sharing the gospel. I have friends that serve in that area of the world. And I've heard even recently of, of some Christians that... that just a few weeks ago, because of this threat that was coming, had to be pulled out of Afghanistan. And they mourned and cried because they wished that they could have stayed. They wanted to stay knowing that they would likely die. 
but because they cared about those that were there and wanting to share the gospel with them. Brothers and sisters, this isn't just some theoretical, historical story that we're looking at. This is truth that's applicable for our lives. If you share the gospel enough, people will try to stop you. Whether it's being mean and not being your friend anymore, whether it's saying ugly things about you on Facebook, whether it's threatening your job, whatever it is, if you share the gospel enough, there will be people that will oppose you for sharing the gospel. Brothers and sisters, it should not stop us. Nothing should ever stop us from sharing this glorious truth that Christ is leader and Savior and that He offers repentance to all that will come to Him. He offers forgiveness that will all re- to all that will repent and come to Him. So these religious leaders are as angry as they've ever been. And they want to kill them. And we see that in verse 33. So let's read this last bit of this text and see what happens. When they heard this, verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to the men of Israel, Take care what you're about to do with these men, for before these days Thutius rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found oppressing God. So they took his vice. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So these men are enraged. They want to kill them. And and thankfully, Gamaliel seems to have a pretty level head, and he stands up and says, Hold your horses, everybody. Before you do what I know you're about to do, Don't y'all remember this guy, Thutius? Don't y'all remember whenever he rose up and it was this great uprising and and, and hundreds of people started to follow him? And then he died and everybody just went home. And they said, yeah, 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 we remember that. He said, do you remember when Judas the Galilean rose up and all these people followed him and we were worried about that? And they said, yeah, yeah. And And he died and everybody went home. They said, yeah. So, so. Just step back for just a moment, because these men are following Jesus, who has already died. So if this is a, an earthly thing, if this is uh, by the will of humans, by the will of men, then this thing will die on its own. You don't have to try and kill it, right? It'll, slide, it'll die a slow death on its own. But if this work is actually of God... Stop for just a moment and think, what if these men are actually telling the truth? What if Jesus really is God? What if this is something that God has really sent these men to go? 
He says in verse 39, If it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. And in that, we see the main point of this text again. Point three, nothing can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is good news, right? The gospel is literally what it means, good news. Not just good news, the best news Ever. But is that why the gospel won't stop? Because it's good news and because it's true? No, there are lots of things that are true and good news that none of us ever hear about. Right? The media presses all kinds of stories that would be good news that they just don't think is useful for us to hear. There are things that have happened all throughout history that you and I have never heard of. Good things. So it's not just because it's good news that it continues on. And it's not just because it's true that it continues on. Is it because it's fascinating? Right? A man came back to life after he was dead and he's God and he goes back to heaven. That, that's not the only reason. There have been amazing things that have happened throughout history that, that nobody in this room has ever heard of. So why? What is the reason that no one will ever stop the gospel? It goes back to what Gamaliel says here and what we said in the very beginning. He said, if it is of God. It's not because the apostles are more bold than any person that's ever lived. It's not because just because this is good news or just because this is true. It's because God is the driving force of the gospel. God is the one that continues to sustain this truth. God is the one that makes sure that this carries over from generation to generation. That we hear the news of the gospel. That Jesus Christ, who is God, left heaven and came to earth and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and came back to life and is alive today. God is the reason that that continues on. It's not because of you and me. He lets us take part in sharing the gospel. It's not because of other people that this takes place, it's because of God. God is the one that continues to make sure this happens. And since this is of God, Gamaliel had such a good point that he may not have even realized. No one will ever be able to stop it. This truth will continue until the end of the age when Christ returns and everybody knows that it's true. And this morning... I love that, that these brothers, these apostles, show us such an example of what it looks like to live with the power of God sharing the gospel. That not only were they willing to do it, even when they were oppressed, but even after being beaten and warned again, it says in verse 41, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. We don't have time this morning to go into all of the implications of that truth. Brothers and sisters, I do ask you, and I want you to ask yourself this morning, when you suffer because of the name of Christ, whenever you suffer because you're living as a Christian, whenever you're made fun of or left out because you're telling people about Jesus or living the way the Scripture calls you to, do you feel joy? Do you rejoice because of that? Or do we feel like we're being left out or hurt? Do we feel like God doesn't love us? I pray that we recognize that, that all those that follow Christ will have trials. It's a promise of Scripture. Christ himself was crucified. And so when we're following in his footsteps and people do not like us or people are mean or ugly to us, it's not 
because they're rejecting us. It's because they're rejecting the God that we follow and the truth that we're telling. So it's an honor. It's an honor because it shows that we are doing what God has called us to do. When we are left out or when we're hurt or when we're persecuted because we're following God, when we suffer dishonor for the name. So I want to ask you just a couple of questions this morning. The first one is, do you believe this truth? Right? I, I keep saying that the gospel is true. And that's because it is. But, but I ask you this morning, as I asked Slade earlier this week, do you really believe that? Not do you know it just mentally. Not have you memorized it. But do you believe it in your heart? Has it changed the way that you live? Are you a different person because you know that you know that the gospel is true? If so, this morning, brothers and sisters, we have something to celebrate and we have something to share. But if not, maybe this morning God is using even this text and even this time that we're here together to call you to himself. Maybe for the first time ever you are understanding the gospel and your heart is ready and prepared to respond to God, to give your life to Him, to claim that He is Savior and Lord. What a great day that you could come and share that with us, and we could pray for you and celebrate with you this morning. If that's you, or if you have questions, I would love for you to come in just a moment when we have a time of response. And if nothing else, tell me, Brother Zach, I'd like to get up with you later so that we can talk about this truth, or this thing that you claim to be true. I'd love to hear more about it. But this morning I also ask, if that is you, if you do believe the gospel, are you sharing the gospel? Are we so worried about being dishonored or oppressed or left out that we just remain silent? We say the gospel is good news and the gospel has changed my life, but I don't necessarily have to go and tell anybody else about it. Brothers and sisters, if we believe that this is true, then we should not be able to stop from telling others about it. We should want to talk about it all the time. We should be like the apostles that say, we must obey God. We cannot keep from telling people the gospel. Pray this morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, and you have not been sharing the gospel with others, that you would repent of that during this time, that you would pray and ask God to help give you boldness and strength to share that gospel. But I also know that there's probably a group of people here this morning that are facing things, and I have not dealt with those things before. You're walking in a pair of shoes that I've never walked in. And maybe this morning, the Lord's just reminding you through this text that He is still God, and that He doesn't have a rival. He doesn't have anyone that's equal to Him. He doesn't have anyone that can stop Him. And no matter what you're facing, whether it's physical or whether it's some other type of oppression, whether it's some type of dishonor, whether it's some type of sickness or illness in yourself or your family, or some type of hurt, God is bigger than it. And maybe this morning, He's just reminding you of that truth. And I pray that this morning, that you would just respond by praying to Him and asking Him for help with whatever you've been trying to deal with on your own, by showing faith and trusting Him that He is who He says He is. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning, and Brother Shane's going to come, and we're going to have a time of response. And you can pray where you are. You can come down here, and I'll pray with you. You can sing out of response of joy, but you do what you feel led to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.